there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, coach search in Tennessee time, turns into an AD search in Tennessee time, turns back into a coaching search in Tennessee time, then the coaching search ends time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker alongside Patrick Brown coming to you here at the Fort Rucker studio. Before we head over to speak with Tennessee's new football coach, Patrick, uh, Tennessee has taken this 25-26 day odyssey, and uh, it's it's gone probably nothing like any of us expected. But the end result might not be too bad. Yeah, the uh, the white smoke came billowing out last night, just after hours of silence, and uh, I think we kind of knew yesterday. Wednesday afternoon, that they were zeroing in on on Jeremy Pruitt. But then it was like, the longer it kept going, you're like, well, we've been here before. We've been here where Tennessee's trying to, you know, get a deal done with a a coach. And uh, whenever it's one of those things where, you know, uh, that's who Tennessee wanted. Clearly he was interested enough to interview twice. Then you're just like, if he's your guy, go get him. And then the longer it takes – Plus, you add that onto the whole nature of this search, you're you're starting to wonder something's gone, some something, some's happened. But then, it turned out nothing happened, and uh, there was an offer. Pruitt accepted it, hammered out the deals last night, and probably into this morning. And here we are. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, that the more people I've talked to about this search, the more that you know we know who those three finalists were by and large. Uh, we know that it was Pruitt, Mel Tucker, Kevin Steele. And the fascinating thing is talking to more and more people who know these coaches, including some people pretty darn close to them. I don't think after any of those interviews, I don't, I don't think any of those three thought they were getting the job. And, and, and that's how much Fulmer was keeping his cards close to the vest on this. And it went in a completely different direction. John Curry was looking clearly more toward proven kind of head coaches, even if it was a smaller level. And Philip Fulmer as a lot of us probably shouldn't be surprised that he did, tapped right back into the good old boys network and went for three proven SEC defensive coordinators. And, and I think, and I, I'm not just saying this because Tennessee got the guy, because I think I've got a pretty long track record of saying if I think Tennessee does something stupid. But if you could tell me right now that any any coordinator in the country you could hire, I think this might be the one I would pick. And the reason for that is, uh, you look at that resume. Now, there's no way of getting around this, Patrick. There's no way of getting around the fact that this is a man who has never been a head coach at the college level, at the high school level, at the middle school level. He has never been a head coach. You cannot get away from that. That is a risk. But when you look at the way that his defenses have played, you're talking about a guy who has already got a hand in four national championships as a college football coach. And – if Alabama completes the, the the trick this year and wins that title again, he'll have done it at a second school as the defensive coordinator. So this is a guy who's been Florida State, Georgia, Bama. He, he's been a mad recruiter throughout the Southeast. 
And he's accomplished all that by the age of 43. And he's a guy who was a hand-in-glove cultural fit for this job. So, yeah, I think that if you can take away that one, ignore that one risk because it's there. It's a big risk, it's a big red flag, and it's there. But when you look at everything else, this is the guy I would pick. I would pick him over Shiano, and I would have picked him over Steele and Tucker. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at the uh, the four playoff teams right now. Three of the four head coaches there, if I'm recalling correctly, were not had no head coaching experience when they took those jobs. I'm trying Correct. to think of this. Yeah, yeah, Clemson with uh, Dabo Swinney. He was he was an assistant, never been a head coach. Kirby Smart, who I think Tennessee, that's who they're op- that's who they're hoping this hire emulates probably the most. And then Lincoln Riley at, at Oklahoma. Now Riley took over a pretty good situation for Bob Stoops. Yeah, he obviously sure. inherited your boy Baker Mayfield. That always helps. Best player in college football. Um, and then you know so, you know Dabo had to he had to he had to do a little work there. I mean clearly Clemson when he took over was not what it is now. Um, and it was interesting that yeah he targeted some chip on the shoulder guys and built a program around him. Yeah, and you know there was. It was interesting that earlier this week, you know, you heard Chad Morris, Tennessee, talk to him again. You heard Brent Venables. I'm not sure anything ever happened there, but clearly that was probably Fulmer talking to Dan Brooks, his longtime assistant. Yep. Brooks was at Clemson uh, with both those guys. So uh, if you're trying to emulate Clemson, that's probably not a bad thing. And if you're trying to emulate Alabama, that's probably not a bad idea either. It's not always worked. Not every uh, Nick Saban assistant has gone somewhere and had success. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Pruitt was a guy that we mentioned. I went back and looked this up. We first mentioned him as a as a sort of a, a name to watch on November the thirteenth. <laughs> so within twenty four hours uh, of Tennessee's job coming open, we pointed out that hey, this could be a guy. Now the path that Tennessee took to get to him was probably less than ideal. Nobody saw that coming, but um, in the end, I think uh, you know the, the search this week clearly took on a you know, it had a focus. I think Fulmer knew what he wanted. He wanted somebody with SEC experience, a defensive mind. Whereas last week it was all over the place. You go from a guy like Mike Gundy to Dave Doran. And then you then you go to Mike Leach when maybe you should have gone to Mike Leach first. All that after going after Greg Schiano, who I don't think anybody is still trying to hire. Yeah, I, I, I want to make sure I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I wrote a column saying I'm not sure I would have gone with a defensive-minded coach. And I stand by that because if I were given my first pick, I would have gone for someone – who wants to do something completely different from the way Alabama and Georgia are doing things because I don't know that Alabama or, or, the, or that Tennessee can do what Bama and Georgia do and do it better than Alabama and Georgia. Uh, as, as well as as much as the, the state of Tennessee has improved with, with its talent recently, its high school players, uh, you, you've got you know really good um, – Nashville is probably the fastest-growing major city in the country, 80 to 85 people per day moving in there. Uh, and then you got East Tennessee, which is producing sneaky, sneaky good prospects now more consistently and just hogging all the state championships and playing good football. And you've always got always got athletes in uh, Patrick Brown's West Tennessee. So you know that you can do a lot of things here and you're probably you're within one day's drive of like more than half of the population of the United States. So you can recruit to Tennessee. But I don't know that you're going to consistently recruit the guys that Bama and Georgia are, are doing and do it better than them. So, But if you look at this as the kind of thing where you want your program to get back to a consistent 8-9-10 win clip and then go try to win a championship, if that's the floor for this hire, that's okay. That's okay. But 
I think if you want to go for the one guy in that whole pool who maybe, maybe could build something kind of like they've got going on there, Bama and Georgia, and you give him the resources to hire the kind of staff that can make that happen, which I think Tennessee is doing, then you're giving yourself a chance. And this is clearly the route Philip Fulmer wanted to go. This was his decision by and large. We know that. And I don't dislike it. It may not be the first thing that I would choose, but I understand why because they've tried the – you know, the other route with going with an outsider, and it, it didn't work. So on that level, I guess it makes sense. Well, we, and we've talked about this before that a lot of times with, with coaching searches, you're going to hire sort of the antithesis of what you just fired. Yes. And in many ways, Jeremy Pruitt is very much the antithesis of Butch Jones. Uh, one look, all you need to do is look up where Rainsville, Alabama is. I didn't realize uh, it was as close to where uh, the Go Vols 24-7 crew, we, we uh, heading down to the Alabama game in October mm-hmm. – uh, <clears throat> Danny Parker and Ron Callahan were going to watch, I think, Matthew Flint play. Yeah. Tennessee commitment, linebacker commitment. And we were driving through farmland. <laughs> it was Where my friend Brad Shepard is from. Yes, yes. Like northeastern Alabama. I don't want to say I don't want to say anything to disparage those those fine people or that fine area. It's a pretty area of the country, but, but there's not a lot going on. Uh, you know, but Rainsville is really not that far from Chattanooga. Oh. And you know, Pruitt started his, his playing career at Mill, Tennessee. And so in that sense, he's very much a Southern coach, um, very different than, than Butch Jones. He's obviously a defensive coach, which Jones was not. And then he, he's a guy that, you know, we, we know some people that know him, and he seems to be pretty much a no-nonsense kind of guy. And, and you've seen some sort of interactions with him and, and Saban on the sideline where he just doesn't, he doesn't take anything. And, you know, a lot of people probably would not handle it that way <laughs> with Saban and how demanding he is. And uh, there was another clip that um, that I put in, in the story that we had Wednesday night when we were, I think, the first to have a, a story up on, on Pruitt accepting an offer. I uh, believe we were. That, you know, Pruitt was just lighting into the whole defense. Saban walked over there, kind of checked in what was going on, and then just turned and walked away. <laughs> okay, he's peeling paint. I like All right. this. Okay. You know, th- this guy grew up on so, – So that's to say that this guy, he doesn't really take a lot of BS. Is what oh, no. He's, he's not going to worry about – all some of the, you know, superfluous stuff that that the pre- that his predecessor was concerned about. Yeah, this guy grew up on uh, Golden Flake, Texas Pete, uh, SEC. You know, the three days at noon kind of football. This guy, Skull, this guy, this guy grew up when with the uh, in the, the the good old fashioned pre corporate dipspit version of the SEC. And here's what I can't, or what I, I'm not gonna say I can't comprehend because I'm, I'm I understand it, but. When you think of Philip Fulmer and the University of Alabama, I don't know that there is anyone on the planet, anyone on the planet, who has more respect but also more hatred of the University of Alabama football program than Philip Fulmer does. Philip Fulmer is a guy who grew up right there on the Tennessee-Bama border, right there near Rainsville, Alabama. He grew up right there in Winchester, and on the, on the Tennessee side of the border, I should say. And when he was a prospect, he was considering going to Tennessee and Alabama. And a Tennessee assistant coach at the time was recruiting him, convinced him about the value of staying on this side of the border, playing for your home state, being a Tennessee guy. And that resonated with him. And since then, he has been just an absolute thorn in Alabama's side in so many ways (laughs) that we don't even need to go into, but we know the story, right? We know the story. And he also happened to, to go on a streak there, what, like nine in a row, wins against Alabama. <clears throat> this guy, 
in Alabama have a backstory. So for him to go into this interview process, his very first hire at Tennessee of any kind is a, a guy who played football at Alabama, <clears throat> was an assistant coach at Alabama, graduate assistant coach at Alabama, coordinator at Alabama. I can tell you one thing right now. Jeremy Pruitt hit that interview so far out of the park that like Giancarlo Stanton would be jealous because that that's like a, an Aaron judge kind of home run of an interview because for him to go in there and, and, and beat out a guy like Kevin Steele, who we all know Philip Fulmer loves great friend of John Chavis is too. You know, the connections there with Tennessee, former Tennessee player, former Tennessee assistant coach, certainly a VFL and Kevin Steele. And for him to beat him out and a guy like Mel Tucker, who's got a great reputation that, right there ought to tell you just how well Pruitt knocked that interview out of the park because Fulmer made a decision that I don't think any of us really comprehended at first because I'll speak for myself honestly, and this was people, not just me, this was people across the college football coaching world thought there was no way that Phillip was going to hire anyone but Kevin Steele for this job. Among the coaches, they thought, Mm, this is steel. That's what Fulmer's going to do because Fulmer has never wanted to stop being Tennessee's coach and he can't take the job now. So what he's going to do is hire a guy who he can tell what to do and a guy who, who would be indebted to him, and that's, that's Kevin Steele. That's what everybody thought. And, and for him to do that, I, good for him, but it certainly shows to me that, that, that Pruitt just knocked his socks off. Yeah, and, and you know I think Mel Tucker did, was pretty impressive too. I think he was much firmly in the mix than – uh, just as probably just as much as all three guys were at one point until Pruitt kind of emerged. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at Pruitt. I know he's not been a head coach, but I mean, the guy's got I think what four four championship rings. Chance to get a fifth if he uh, stays on at Alabama. That's going to be sort of weird, though. By the way, yeah, I don't know this, how these gonna, next couple weeks. I don't know how they're going to work I, all that. I'm out. under the impression that that he's going to coach. At least that's what I've been sort of suggested to me. So he's going to be spending his days watching film, trying to help Alabama practice with Alabama, and then spend his nights trying to tell kids to go to Tennessee and not Alabama. And this this weekend he's going to be in Knoxville hosting recruits. And then what? I don't know what he's going to do next weekend because I'm sure Alabama will have resumed practices for uh, their playoff semifinal with Clemson. And next week they're supposed to host more official visitors. So you've got the early signing period to, to deal with as well. So uh, I'm under the impression that he's going coach. But we'll see. I don't. I don't know that that's been finalized or at least they publicly. They tried that with Lane last year, and it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. Kirby it. Kirby Smart pulled it off two years ago, um, yeah. but that was different because again, you didn't have the early signing period. So you're trying to you're going to be trying to lock kids up these next couple couple weeks if you're Pruitt and everybody else. So you're trying to hold some of this class together. And Tennessee had a lot of guys that were planning on signing early, and. You know, there's there's a you know some of the guys that are left that are on the commitment list are pretty solid and uh, barring some sort of drastic change or something you know barring something drastic are going to sign with Tennessee anyway and they probably were regardless of who the coach was going to be, um, so that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy that that coached for Saban for you know Saban brought him back last a uh, couple years ago after he was at Georgia and when I was researching some stuff. Saban said he didn't even talk to anybody else. Nope. That was his guy. <laughs> he said it was a no-brainer. I didn't even call anybody else. I just called him, and we we worked it out. Hey, Jeremy, let's do this. Uh, and it was, you know, as soon as Kirby left, not nothing complicated there. I don't even think they needed a hot board. Um, and, you know, he goes to Florida State his first year, wins a national title. He had come off two national titles at Alabama. So 
three years he won three straight national titles. And then Georgia, he improved that defense. That defense was uh, looking up some numbers. I think they were around 80th in the country in in scoring defense. Uh, Their final season under Todd Grantham, I think that was in 2013. He comes in and they they have two top twenty two top twenty defenses. Now what you're wondering, and you wonder how it's going to translate is. He had a lot of pretty elite athletes there. Now, he had a big hand in getting a lot of those elite athletes there. When you look at some of the kids he's recruited, he recruited Roquan Smith, who's the best linebacker in the country right now. He recruited Jalen Ramsey out of, out, of, out of the Nashville area to Florida State. He's obviously done pretty well for himself, was a first-round pick. Um, you, you go down the list, Derek Henry, TJ Yeldon. I mean, he's recruited guys on the, off, on, on the offensive side of the ball as well. I mean, he's two-time number one recruiter in the 24-7 sports rankings. Yeah, And, and, and so you're wondering, can he do that with – athletes that aren't going to be the caliber of what he's had in these last five years or so. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because you're looking at his system, and I think we know, looking at his history, that Tennessee is now going to go back to that sort of, you call it a 3-4. All right, it's called a 3-4, but it's it's kind of a 3-4 combined with a five-man front bear. It can be a 4-4. It can be a lot of – it can be 3-4, It can be a lot of different things. But you're basically running with that sort of three-down lineman unless you're in the nickel situation defense. That, that's kind of what they're going to be going back to. And do they have the personnel to fit that? And right now, I don't know, because you got a couple of, you got a couple of good nose guards right there in Vickers and Tuttle. We know that. Unless you want to make Tuttle. Well, Vickers isn't going to be there. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean uh, McKenzie and Tuttle. And – you know, maybe you could try to make Tuttle a defensive end in this system. Maybe. I don't know, though. I mean, I think he'd have to put on a couple of pounds and be a defensive, you know, kind of a nose guard. You know, can you take some of those guys and, you know, can, can you make Daryl Taylor a jack? You know, what, what can you do? Because he maybe has the athleticism uh, to do that. So where are you moving guys around? What about smaller linebackers, kind of like a Corte Sapp kind of guy? What happens with them now? You know, uh, what do you do with a guy like – I imagine Kirkland and Batuli can now play, you know, Mike and Will in that system or you know, pretty pretty, and, pretty easily. And, and maybe the big winner is Jonathan Kongbo, who could be a, a good, you know, 3-4 D end. Ding, ding, ding. I think this – I think you're finally going to get Kongbo playing in a position where he needs to play because this is the best because you can tell him, hey, you're a defensive end when really we all know a 3-4 defensive end <laughs> is a defensive tackle, which is where he needs to be. So it's like everybody wins. Yeah, and you know if if Austin Smith can ever get healthy, he's a jack. He's a guy, you know. So uh, we'll see what they do on offense. It, it looks like it's going to be Tyson Helton, uh, pro spread something like that. Pro yeah. spread a little bit like USC, um, downhill running. But will also they have a fullback? Bring back the fullback. There are two kinds of offenses in football, Patrick. There are offenses with fullbacks, and then there are sissy offenses. But the, and going going back to a point I made earlier. You see the way that Alabama's teams have played and the way that Georgia's defense has played when, when Pruitt was there. I mean, it's, it's just t- tough, hard-nosed, nasty, physical teams. Tennessee was none of those things last year. Correct. At any le- at any point on the – other than maybe John Kelly. John Kelly was physical and nasty and would try to hurt you. He'll step in and be like, all right, Kelly, you're, you're, you're one of my dogs. Let's go do this. And so – You know, Pruitt's one of those guys who calls a good football player dude. He's like, that's a dude. Yo, that's a dude. <laughs> and he'll be like, John Kelly, that's a dude. And so that that's that needs to be a change of mindset. You would expect to see a tougher, more physical team. 
And that's going to be a big departure. And that's probably going to be, honestly, one of Pruitt's first challenges is trying to change that mindset because I think I think it's safe to say Tennessee got a little soft the last couple of years under Butch Jones. A little bit. Re- really ever since, um, since, think, since they the made fear, the move from Dave Lawson. I, I think that's I think where you can point to it. the fear of injuries, yeah. I think the fear of injuries, as they mounted up, made them even softer because they were just so terrified of getting people hurt because they had so many guys down. That might be part of it. But, you know, continue, Patrick, because I think you're right. And where was I at? The Dave Lawson. Yeah, I mean, he, he, mustache, he, all that. Yeah, I mean, that's what you know. When Butch Jones came in, he had he had, you know his teams were sort of blue collar. They always played maybe better than the sum of their parts, and we saw that a little bit his first three years. You know, you, you go back to his third team going toe to toe with Alabama physically. I mean, they were in that game in the fourth quarter, and they made Alabama go win that game, where a lot of teams haven't really done that with Alabama over the years. And you know, Alabama won that game because they had just just better athletes at the end of the day. And they have better athletes than a lot of people. But really since Lawson, you know, they just it seems like they just got soft. You know, the, you go back to the season opener last year, they get pushed around by Appalachian State. You know, this offensive line this year was supposed to be the real deal, and it was very much not the real deal. Correct. And so – I mean, it was so banged up, it was hard to tell. True. But, yeah. but even, you know, you, there were even warning signs in, in camp when guys were getting banged up. That yeah. How were. does that, you know, whatever. So – that that's got to be sort of Pruitt's, I think, first mindset, first you know, first challenge is trying to changing the mindset of this program and toughening it up. After you know, te- you know, teams take on the identity of their head coach, and that's why when you know Tennessee fans were riding the less miles train, saying, "Oh, he's going to bring in this all star staff, yada yada yada," your team still takes on the personality of your head coach. And Les squandered a lot of talent at LSU. I didn't understand why everyone was so enamored with him. Uh, and so that that that's what that's what Pruitt's got to do is he's got to sort of reverse the mindset of this team, and, and that's not something that's going to be done overnight. You know, I, I, to backtrack really quickly, uh, we were talking about Kongbo. I think also Kyle Phillips could be a, a pretty good pretty good defensive end in the in the three four system. I think that's something that could work out for him if he can stay healthy. But yeah, I think Pruitt walks in here day one, and I think he looks at like okay, John Kelly, you know, Trey Smith. Does he bring Juwan Jennings back? You know, please, please, please bring back the dog. <laughs> bring back the dog. Let the dog off the leash. Please, please, please. But he walks in there. He sees Trey Smith. He sees John Kelly. You know, to a certain extent, he sees a guy like Nigel Warrior. He sees some Maybe. toughness in this group. I think Garantano's got some toughness, too. He does. He's got a little bit of that edge to him. Now, we don't know if the quarterback thing now, you're bringing in a, a new OC, maybe co-OCs, new quarterbacks coach. He might be a Garantano guy. He might be a Dormady guy. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I would think that the system of just going off what USC ran is could suit both those guys. It could. They both can throw the ball. Yeah, I think that's what you need to do. Yeah, and you're 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 doing a little bit of downhill running, play action passing, kind of open it up a little bit. It, it's it, it's I, it, a lot of people do stuff like that. Garantano being he got he got sort of made into this Josh Dobbs type. He's that's not, not that. Him. He's that's not, not that. That's He's not, not that. No. He's not that. Um, and Josh Dobbs runs like a wide receiver. He's not Josh Dobbs. Yeah, and he's not. I mean, he's not Jalen Hurts. Correct. The guy who you know, a borderline running back or receiver playing quarterback. That's not. That's not what he is. I mean, kind of looking back at the Pro Football Focus season grades, Garantano was by far Tennessee's highest grade quarterback. Which I thought was interesting. He was. Now I will say this: Dormady played hurt, he, yes, and not just hurt. His throwing shoulder was hurt, and he's a guy who clearly is a throwing quarterback. So, I I think that opens up that whole competition and makes it fascinating. I think what's fascinating now is 
again, by the time this podcast comes out, we don't want to be too specific because this thing changes so quickly. But let's put it this way. There's been a lot of money, perhaps as much as $5 million or more, somewhere around there, given to Pruitt to fill out his staff at Tennessee. And because of that, you're seeing pretty quickly that he can come 88 and out the gate and go after some big names and build a staff. And when you look at it, sort of the way this whole Saban thing's gone, Saban's been the fulcrum of all of it. There's no question about it. But Saban always built those powerhouse staffs with lots of lots of coaches getting lots of money, lots of support staff people who were pros. That that's kind of a a machine down there. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things Pruitt talked to Tennessee about, which was listen, you're not gonna have to pay me eight, nine million dollars a year yet, so let's spend this money on this staff. Let's go get these dudes. And we'll see who they get. But just the names that are that have been out there, Patrick, I mean that that's that's a heck of a staff potentially on paper. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the, the money. I mean, looks like Will Friend's going to be the off, at least the offensive line coach. Maybe he gets another title in there because mm-hmm. he is an offensive coordinator right now at Colorado State under Mike Bobo. He was making five hundred forty thousand dollars last year, which is I think the I think that made him the highest paid uh, coordinator in the in the group of five. That's outside the Power Five conferences. Yep. So that's I mean, had that's, to be probably made more than a lot of head coaches. At that yeah, level. and you're talking about bringing him on. I mean, if you're thinking of getting uh, a defensive coordinator of the caliber that that it sounds like they're going to try to get with uh, the two names that we've heard are, are Kevin Shearer at, at Georgia. He's linebackers coach yeah. right now. Um, and, and Tosh Lupoy, who's at, who's at Alabama right now. You're probably going to get a fantastic whoever, recruiter. You're probably going to get whichever one of those two guys Nick Saban doesn't want. As we've know, as we know, Nick Saban gets what he wants. Yes. Uh, both those but guys, Nick Saban wanted to keep Jeremy Pruitt and didn't get true. to do that. That's true. And, and you know, for all the guys, that's a good point. You bring that up for all the guys at Tennessee, tried to hire that nobody was trying to hire. They do go get a guy that Nick Saban probably wanted to keep. At least at least he wanted to keep him on board for the next month or so. And a guy who Texas A&M was offering a ton of money to yeah. go be its defensive coordinator under Jimbo. So and Texas A&M has loads of money. I don't know if y'all if y'all saw sitting but on oil fields of money. Yes. <laughs> but they're paying their coach a guaranteed $75 million over the next decade. And that's not even a drop in a bucket for exactly. what they have. Um but yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned a guy like a, a guy like Friend is making that. I mean, you, if you're getting Cher or Lupoy, both those guys are probably going to come with a million dollar salary. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, there's some questions of, of whether Lupoy deserves that. I don't think he's been a defensive coordinator yet. Uh, well, I think yeah, actually, I think he was at South Alabama. I may be wrong. Um, and so, you know, if you're keeping a guy like Robert Gillespie, he was already making over 500. So this is you, if you start, you're going if you're going to keep a dude, that's the dude to keep. If you're and I think he's probably the only dude that wants to stay, frankly. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, and so, you know, that's you start adding those numbers up, it's gonna be a pretty pretty expensive staff. But that's what it takes. I mean, that's that's what that's what you have to do to win. You have to be able you know, you gotta spend money to to make money and, and win games. And and it you know, for those who are saying those of y'all who are saying, Oh, I want some VFLs in there, well you might get one in yeah. offensive backs coach, Terry Fair, uh, who full disclosure is a former radio co host of mine and also a, uh, a really, really mediocre uh, slow-pitch softball player who used to show up in his Jordans to try to play, and it's like, dude, you're supposed to be the ringer. Get some spikes and get on base. Come on, man. I'm trying to run around there and catch fly balls. He's slipping because he's wearing his J's and not some cleats. It's like, do I need to bring you some cleats, T-Fair? Do I need to bring – you're supposed to – dude, you were a first-round draft pick. You can't do better than this. But Terry Fair, former Tennessee assistant, former Tennessee star, 
actually, uh, as a player, played in the NFL for years, uh, now as the defensive backs coach at Colorado State, an up-and-comer in the business. He's a guy who could get some interest. There's also been at least a little bit of loose talk, potentially about a guy like uh, Jermaine Copeland, uh, East Tennessee native, uh, who's currently in the CFL as a wide receivers coach, uh, or as I'm gonna, always going to call him, former XFL star Jermaine Copeland. Uh, he could he could join this staff potentially. So you're going to get a little bit of your VFL flavor in there. Uh, but I don't. I think we all know at this point, and it's pretty clear that, that T's going to stay where he is. T Martin is out west. And, and then they're going to hire the guy who was his co-offensive coordinator. That will be a little yeah, interesting. That, uh-huh. So Tennessee is going to get an offensive coordinator from USC after all. Just not T. Martin, Just right? not T. Martin. And I want to say this in full disclosure, too. Uh, spoke with a lot of people throughout the, the industry there was never a consensus that T was ready to be anything like a head coach right now. No. Now, maybe that means that that those people were all wrong, but I'm here to tell you right now there were a lot of them. And these were even a lot of people who liked him. We were like, yeah, I love T. Everybody loves T, but I don't know if he's ready for that right now. So, again, if, if you're looking at the resumes and you're picking either T or you're picking – Jeremy Pruitt, you're picking Jeremy Pruitt, period, dot, end of story. And anyone who just wants to tug at the heartstrings there, listen, you got your VFL teddy bear back at the AD spot and a guy that you probably trust and a guy who is going to do what he needs to do to win, and this is what he thought he needed to do to win, and I I don't blame him for that. Yeah, and, you know, another name we haven't mentioned is is Tracy Rocker, who could be – who's been thrown out as a defensive line coach. Lance, Heck of a D-line Lance coach. Lance Thompson could bring him back. He's been pretty much ever in the SEC at this point. Yeah, SEC, uh, th- those vet, are th- veteran SEC assistant, Lance Thompson. Those are other names that we've heard uh, and actually have reported on as well. So big time, you know, those those are big time coaches right there. Rocker was obviously a big time recruiter. Ha- had a little bit, sort of a snafu there to end his Georgia tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's something that they can get past, I think maybe that's the direction they go. We'll see. Still early. I mean, the guy hasn't even been introduced yet as we're talking right now. So yeah, there's a lot and, of and, and, a lot know, of things to uh, to get to. And, and neither one of us here is, is a big recruiting guy. We have we have capable members of our staff who do an excellent job of that. But that that's not us. But it, what I can tell you, and both of us can probably tell you, is that uh, this guy now he's been recruiting to Florida State, Georgia, and Bama. So again, that you don't really have bad recruiters on any of those staffs, and, and those staffs, those places kind of recruit themselves at this point. But this guy was twice named National Recruiter of the Year, so I think you can safely say that he's a darn good recruiter and that he's a guy who is going to go in there and fight for big-time prospects. And, and he's going to lose a lot of those battles, but he's going he's gonna to get in there and step in and swing. Yeah, and you know, you've, you've already seen sort of the impact. I mean, he gets hired, and hours later you have uh, Jacob Copeland, who I think is one of the top – I'm not sure what he is. I don't have it in front of me, but I think he's – Top 100 wide receiver. Top 100 wide receiver down in Florida. I think he's probably one of the top – receivers in that state which is saying something and the guy who um, who who Pruitt was visiting for Alabama just a couple days yeah ago. like I think Monday night is when he was visiting and he's already tweeted out today that hey Tennessee is one of my top schools now yep I mean and you know that's that's sort of the impact and uh we, we have a gallery up on, on the site now of, of his top 20 all-time commits you go down this list I mean it's Jonathan Ledbetter Roquan Smith obviously is winning all sorts of awards right now Reggie Raglan in the NFL Marcus Walker was a was a beast at Florida State. LeBron Ray was a guy that Tennessee tried to get last year. I loved that kid. I um, loved LeBron Ray. He was such an awesome kid to deal with in the process. Then you get guys like TJ Yeldon. He was okay. Mac Wilson. He's okay. Lorenzo Carter. Uh, not bad. <laughs> Dylan Moses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he was a five star. Jalen Ramsey. He's doing all right for yeah, himself. He's all right. Derrick Henry. He's all right. Uh, and so I mean, you're talking 
these are some big-name studs. Now, Henry's a guy that was, I think, committed to Georgia, and then they flipped him to Alabama, if I recall correctly. I'm trying I think. to remember that process. I was listening to an interview uh, Henry did, actually. Uh, I think, I don't know who whoever in the national media was asking him about Pruitt the other day, but shout-out to that guy. Uh, for for being having some foresight there, friend but, of the pod. Uh, Whoever you are, you're a friend of the pod. And he was like, "Yeah, I mean, he's just you know, players coach is sort of who, kind of what they say about him." Now we'll see if he can get away with that as a head coach because sometimes you got to be the the bad cop in there. But uh, yeah, yeah th- th- this is a guy who will get right in your face. He'll get a little bit of that skull spit in your grill, and he's going to let you know that he doesn't like what you're doing. This is a no-nonsense guy, and if you've never heard him speak, you're in for a treat because this interview, uh, these interviews are going to be hilarious. And, and, you know, we'll see how he gets along with all of us. We'll see how he deals with the spotlight of a place like Tennessee because I'll tell you this much, earlier this week I looked and he had uh, about 30,000 Twitter followers, and that's going to change pretty quickly. That's going to change. I think it's already up to like 40, 43 right now. And it's just going to keep going up. And this is a guy who is going to be in a spotlight now, unlike anything he it's has. 44 and a half. 44 now. He, this is a spotlight that, that he has never seen anything like it. And But he's just a ball coach. He is. But he's got to handle this stuff now. You're right, you know, he does. You know, he, he's got to go. He's got to go shake some hands. He's got to go kiss some babies. He's got to go on the caravans. He's got to go. He's got to go be a take that recruiting salesman stuff that he does so well, and he's got to do that publicly because Saban's assistants don't talk very much, uh, and neither do Jimbo's. So this is a guy who he obviously knows how to handle media, but there's going to be a horde of like 50 people going everywhere he goes just to report on what he's doing now. So that's where that that to me goes right in there in that same lump with the risk of hey he's never been a head coach so when it's fourth and short and you're at the 35 yard line that's one thing you know when it's trying to pick which guys you want in recruiting that's one thing when it's you know do you how do you discipline a guy do you suspend him do you you know just kind of handle it in house do you kick him out of the program all that stuff that's one thing and it's it's all crazy but also dealing with media and the public is another one now because this guy, he will go nowhere around here now without a horde of people around him. I mean, it, this is you are the king of a pretty large city. And and that's going to be a, a learning curve for sure. Um, took Kirby some time. Yeah, and, and, you know, Kirby, he had some, in, you know, moments in his first year where he bristled at the media. Yeah. He obviously, you know, they had that weird uh, public records thing in the state. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? You know, we're we're talking about all these staff hires. Who knows how often we'll get to talk to him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from this point moving forward, uh, one who, company, one voice, the same way. Who knows how much practice we're going to get? Which is not going to be that big of a departure yeah, anyway. Whatever. Um, and that's that's fine. It is what it is. But we will find a way to report no matter what's going on. Yeah, and and you know, we'll see. And, and the big thing is 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 Pruitt going to stay who he is, which is sort of a sort of a down to earth, genuine. Which is what it seems country like his boy. Pers- personality country, is. Bo Cephas, a country boy. Or is he going to try to be something different because he's at a place like Tennessee and in the fishbowl? And that's see. and that's where you can run into sometimes being fake. And that's another some that's another something that Tennessee doesn't need. Well, we'll we'll have we'll have plenty of podcasts to to wrap up and and talk about this Pruitt era. We're going to try to bring on in the next few weeks some guys who have covered him, some guys who know him. 
some guys some guys who know kind of what he's going to try to do at Tennessee. We'll, we'll try to keep you up to date on all of that. But right now, before we get out of here, Patrick, I, I think when you consider where Tennessee has been the past 25, 26 days, to end it at this point, I've said it consistently, every search is only as good or bad as its end result. And this was expensive for Tennessee. This was occasionally embarrassing for Tennessee. This was very polarizing for Tennessee. This was a lot of craziness in a short period of time. But if you look at the way it ended, I think it came out all right. I think it all came out in the wash, and and Tennessee seemed to come out of this all right, all things considered, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, the way they got here was (laughs) absurd. Yes, I mean, I, I think with every passing day, I think we were just – coaching searches are one of those things where at the beginning of them, you're excited. I mean, like all season, we were talking amongst ourselves, uh, the Go Vols 24-7 staff, and we're just like, can we just can we just go ahead and get this thing going? After the Florida game, like we, we had the hot board ready. Yeah, I mean, we had, the, we had the hot board ready to go sometime in October. I mean, John Curry was watching Scott Frost's game at Cincinnati on during Tennessee's bye week the first weekend of October. It's like, can we just, can we just get this over with? Like, can we just – just make the move, send the press release. Let's have a press conference and let's let's do all the things that come with the press, uh, that come with the coaching search. And it was sort of, uh, you know, we we got to see Florida sites do it. Our our, our colleagues over there, mm-hmm. you know, they they sort of came out of nowhere and we're in coach, coach search mode. And we're like, can we have that, please? I mean, like, yeah, let's, they just, were, let's just get this over. They were with. posting, you know, stories of like, here are the games to watch with coaching candidates. I'm like, I want to do that. And I don't think I've ever in my <laughs> career been as wrong as I was. And then, but but uh, then you, about the way this would go. And then you get to a point in a coaching search where you're just like, all right, can this just end at this point? Uh, it's just because I I'll, like, I'll, it's I'll, like just come on, just end it. I'm tired. Everyone else has got their coach. Like, let's just get it over with. I want to see my family, or I want to see my wife. I haven't seen her, you know. Does saw, does my dog know my name anymore? Like, I saw her for, like, ten minutes yesterday just because we were on alert the whole afternoon from, like, three o'clock on. Uh, and so, you know, and, and even then, that you know, just because the coaching search it doesn't end with a hire, you know, you've got all the staff hires, and it never really slows down. And then, of course, now you got the early signing period. You and I don't do as much recruiting, but still. It's all hands on deck. It's going to be, yeah, it's it's all hands on deck, and it's going to be all hands on deck for the next couple weeks. But, yeah, I mean, you you get to the point where the search where you're just like, can't end. We were were trolled by the near Mike Leach hire. We're not going to lie. I had bought into what Wes was selling about the Pirate. Uh, So, you know. Hey, Tennessee had an agreement with the Pirate. I I got I was all in on that. And I will never hours. forgive or forget Tennessee. I will never forget or forgive <laughs> Tennessee for that. But it's all right. It's all right. I'll just it's in the it, you know it's in my Butch Jones back pocket right all now. All right. Yeah, I mean it. It was one of the things where you're like, you know what, we deserve to cover Mike Leach after having to cover Butch Jones for five yes. years. But then By it didn't God, happen. We do. And instead, they're like, let's fire the AD. Uh, you know, whatever. That was, it was just it was just all over the place. But they end up, I think, with a pretty good coach now. How how well is Pruitt going to do? We have no idea. He's total unknown. You talked you touched on it earlier. No head coaching experience. There's going to be an adjustment. Yes. But you're hoping in the long run, and of course next season could be tough. They've got a tough schedule. I think they play what Florida, Auburn, Georgia, and Alabama back to back to back. West Virginia. West Virginia too. open the season, so I think you know the SEC East has improved. You know you got you know Missouri and South Carolina winning seven and eight games this season, so. We'll see how it goes, but you know, I think you know we'll we'll have to see. But I think at at the start of this process, if they had, if you had said they'd end up with Jeremy Pruitt, I think you'd have, you'd have been like. But then, if you had explained, here's what all is going to happen, and they still end up with Pruitt, I think you I think if you're Tennessee, you got to take you got 
you got to take your ball home and say it was a good day. Yeah, I just I'll, I'll tell the story really, really quickly uh, that I've never been more wrong about a coaching search from from where I thought it would go to where it actually went. Uh, but I think that's the way it actually was going <laughs> until things completely got turned around. Because I remember, you know, uh, my fiance has been through a couple of these things with me. You cover Tennessee, you do coaching searches. It's just kind of an annual tradition like the Masters. And I remember that look in her eyes like, oh, this is not going to be fun. And I was like, no, sweetie, listen, it's okay. It's okay. Because John Curry has been preparing for this for months. He's got his list. They got their money lined up. They're trying to do this whole Texas thing of get it done as soon as possible. I think they're. I think they got a plan, and I think they're going to go stick to it. I'm thinking a week after the season tops, and I have. Uh, I have never been more wrong about a coaching search, <laughs> and the way that this whole thing went, just all the twists and plot turns and palace intrigue and Game of Thrones style factions forming, trying to get the the crown. It it, it was. You could write a heck of a book about this one day if you could get everybody involved in this thing to talk. And there's going to be a lot of fallout legally with with Curry, I'm sure. There's going to be – we'll see what happens with Shiano if anything happens there legally. But uh, this whole thing, it's not over yet, but uh, it's – this was a a pretty good bow to put under the tree, I think. For for Tennessee to to reach this point, Patrick, I think we can all agree on that, can't we? Yeah, I think so. I think that that when you look at the the way this could have gone – and then you look at the way it actually went. That's not too bad. Guys, we'll be back. We have all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff coming up in the next few weeks, early signing period stuff. Ramey and I are going to have all kinds of uh, hoops podcasts. Hey, for the, the basketball team is ranked 24th in the country. Ranked, and they're playing North Carolina next week. We're going to see what happens with Pruitt and his staff. We're going to see what happens on the recruiting trail. We're going to bring you interviews with people who know Pruitt, maybe even with Pruitt himself after the signing period gets done. We're going to work on all this stuff and, and hang with us, guys, because it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be new, but, uh, you know, sometimes new's not so bad. Patrick, any final thoughts? Nope. All right.